Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. State Highway Department, I was healed inside the highway department and brought home my driver's license the first time and showed it to Sheila where I could see without having to wear glasses anymore. And so I thank God for that opportunity. When that happened at that point, then I was going to make the commitment to God that I had said I would. I told the Lord that I would preach and I would minister, I would do what God had called me to do. Um, but I didn't want to do it unless I had that reality of an answered prayer with him in that, in that particular area in my life. And so I got that. And so that was on February the 4th. On February the 10th, six days later, uh, I ministered my first time uh, ever in my life to, to preach at all was at that time on Sunday night. And my dear friend, uh, Bob Tate in Clinton, South Carolina, the name of the church at that time was Charity Temple. And uh, I had been down helping him but not preaching, of course. And I ministered that very Sunday night. In the next couple of years... As I uh, began to preach and evangelize, I preached uh, that first year, uh, different places all up in the upstate. I wrote it down, I guess, when I just got started in those 10 months. I preached 36 times in those 10 months. I fasted and prayed and sought God during that time, 85 days of fasting. During all of that first year, trying to establish myself and ground myself in, in ministry and seeking the Lord during that time. And God began to deal with me as I would go to churches and preach and teach. I, I would uh, notice that uh, a lot of folks were really, you know, had a, didn't have a revelation of the Word of God. And the Lord had touched my heart also in the 1980 in Charlotte, North Carolina, when I attended a Kenneth Copeland uh, meeting and just got me so turned on about the power of teaching the Word and as versus preaching the Word. And it so changed my life. I knew that's what that we needed in our churches. I also felt a very big need in Lawrence at that time for a church to come together, not just as a, a particular denomination, we're for every denomination, not against any of them really, and, uh, but, but not as a denominational type thing or not with just one particular group of this group, but where everybody could come, whatever denomination we're from, where everybody could come no matter what color we are, red or yellow, black and white, doesn't matter, where we could have a church. And in those days, it just wasn't possible and it just didn't happen uh, in Lawrence at all. But uh, God had placed that in my heart, in my life. And so, as, and we were fasting and praying and seeking the Lord in September of 82. And at the end of a three-day fast on Saturday morning, God spoke to me to begin the church. And that's what I did. The very first night that we started, October the 12th, on that Tuesday evening, the very first message I preached was a message that's really been the theme of uh, what I believe and what I want to uh, see happen in your heart, in my heart today. And, and what it was, because Lawrence had enough churches without me starting one. That, that's not the issue. And we're in competition with absolutely nobody. Over the years, you know, you'll have things happen in churches, and over the years, people maybe have come to uh, different churches and say, well, you know, we were at this church, and we didn't like the pastor there, or something went on, and I said, well, did you talk to your pastor about it? Why don't you go back and talk to him? Or they'll say something, this issue happened. I said, well, you know, if you're looking for a church that's perfect, it's not going to be this one, because I haven't found a perfect church. Somebody say amen. As long as you and me are part of it, it won't be perfect. Because <laughs> we all make mistakes. We're all human. And so we, we've never been against any other church at all whatsoever. In fact, if you would look at it, you would see that we have financially given money to more churches in Lawrence County than any other church in Lawrence County. I mean, when you look at the diversity of churches that we have given to over the years, it is just phenomenal. Those. And we just got friends everywhere. Didn't do it for that reason, but we just got friends all over this place. And we're thankful for that, that we can be a part. And we look at it, if some other church is doing something, they're a building, we've helped people all over and different kind of things that we've been able to do. And that's very grateful for that. And we really feel honored that they would allow us to give and support their ministry and their church uh, to do the things they're doing. And when they do it, then because you and I have given and supported, then we're part of that too. 
And so that's a great blessing for us. But our, our church was founded because I wanted to see that reality in us, that the Word of God would actually make a change in our hearts and lives. And wouldn't just make us where we came to church on Sunday morning and we heard a sermon and that kind of thing and we walked away from it, but where the reality of the message of the Word of God stayed with us that day and the next day and the next day and the next day, where we became discipled. And, and there's a place for preaching, and I love good, solid preaching. But at the same time, that's not what the Lord called me to. He didn't call me to preach. He called me to teach the Word of God. And that's what I've been doing all this time. On that Tuesday night, the very first message that I preached was taken from this text. I'm going to preach to you again this Sunday morning on 1 John chapter 4. And it is this theme. If you want to know what it's all about, here's what it is. If you want to know how to live a Christian life, here's what it is. If you want to know how to not be defeated, here's what it is. If you want to know how to be healed, here's what it is. If you want to know how to have a good marriage, here's what it is. If you want to know how to be successful in life, here's what it is. If you want to know how to please Jesus and please the Lord God Almighty, here's what it is. If you want to know how to have the Holy Spirit move in your heart life, here's what it is. It's this one simple concept. As he is, so are we in this world. Everybody say, as he is, so are we in this world. One more time. As he is. So are we in this present world. All those components to that particular line that I've just given you are very significant. So let me just begin just a little bit and talk to us a little bit about what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 11, verse 26, the Bible says that the disciples were first called Christian at Antioch. As the, as the gospel began to form and found the church of the living God, as Paul preached it and others uh, preached the word of the Lord throughout the old Roman Empire at that time and as it branched out from Jerusalem and from Israel, as the word of God began going out, what, what do you call this group of believers? People of the way they were talked about as. What do you call these people of the way? And the Bible tells us in the book of Acts chapter 11, verse 26, they were first called Christian First called Christian in Antioch. Antioch is a city in Syria today that we would know about. And it was in that city as Christians in form and fashion. And people looked at them. They are like Christ is what they were thinking. They are like Christ. And you know what? We sing that song. Don't we sing? Remember that song? To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. What is it? That's all I ask. To be like him. What? All through life's journey. From earth to glory. To be like Jesus. That is the goal. That's the number one thing. Now, there's a whole bunch that's wrapped up in that concept of being like Jesus. But that's what it's about. If you want to know what it's about in your heart and my life, I want to be so much like Christ Jesus that one missionary had this particular testimony that when he came into a place where the, the natives that had been ministered in that particular island had been ministered to by a former missionary. Uh, they didn't speak the same language. And, they, and he began to talk to them about uh, Jesus Christ. And uh, they said, we, we know who that is. We know who Christ is. And the missionary sort of a little taken back a little bit because he was understanding that they hadn't been evangelized and that kind of thing. But as he talked to them about Christ, they said, we know who it is and we know where his grave is. And they said, you can't know that because his, you know, he was, uh, tomb was in Israel and it's now empty. Now, you can't know that out here on this island. Yes, we do. And they said, where then? And said, so we'll take you. And they took them to a seminary and a missionary that had been there some numbers of years before. They took him to the grave and said, that's Jesus. Because the description you gave us to Jesus matches his life perfectly. And that's really what it means to be a Christian, to be Christ-like. To be like Christ. Scripture teaches it. Now, in 1 John, look with me there. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. Wherefore, confesses that, or whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, abides in him and he in God. A living relationship of you and me in God. Verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love or lives or continues in love, in love abides in God. And God lives and continues and abides in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. Notice, in the day of judgment. You want to have boldness when you stand before God? To be judged, and of course, as a Christian, that happened at Calvary, but as we sort of understand general, uh, you know, uh, judgment and coming before the Lord and that kind of thing, and our, our lives don't have to have boldness when we stand before God. We have that when we are walking in this perfected love of Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus say that the greatest commandment, when they asked him, which is the greatest of all? And Jesus said, well, it's that you love God. And the second is just like it, and that you love people just like you love yourself. 
And so this Christ life that you and I live is a life of love. Notice he said, love is perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. Now say it like this. Say, as he is, so am I in this present world. A lot of Christians have a reality that we're going to be real good in the sweet by and by. That we're going to be all right if we can just make it over yonder. And thank God we're, we're headed over yonder. We're going to by and by. But you know what? Christianity is more about just being ready to live in heaven. It's about being ready to live right here on planet earth. I mean, because there's a lot of things on planet earth that God wants you to do. And the reality of what God wants you to do here, you can't do unless you live it in the life of Christ Jesus. Can't do it by yourself. You got to walk it in Him. Let me read you that passage in, in the Message Bible, in verse 17. It says, God is love. And when we take up permanent residence in the life of love, we live in God. God lives in us. This way, love has run of the house. You know what that is, run of the house? AJ hadn't quite found it out yet, but little Naomi has just gotten run of the house. It don't get any less. It gets even more and more and more. What's that mean? You know what that means. Somebody has run of the house. They get to do whatever they want to do. They just run this show, run this place, run of the house. Well, why not let love have the run of the house in your house? What do I do? Well, let me ask love and see. What would love do? How would love treat my fellow men? You wouldn't have all this stuff going on in America going on in America if love ruled in America. If love prevailed in America, you, you wouldn't have uh, shootings and death and problems and situations and fights and people against one another and hatred. And, you wouldn't have any of that if love ruled. Amen. And that's what we need to do, give love the run of our house and the run of America. Because at home and maturing us so that we may free, be free of worry on Judgment Day. Yes. Don't want to be worried about Judgment Day. Our standing, listen to this, our standing in the world is identical with Christ. Oh, that's powerful. Our standing in this world is identical with Christ. Message Bible, 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. See, as long as Christians keep thinking that uh, God is here and Christ is here, the Holy Spirit is here, and way down here, dust of the earth, just a worm crawling in a meagerly, beggarly existence of life, spiritually, mentally, physically, financially, every other way of life. As long as we think that, we're not fulfilling God's purpose in our life. We have to come to the conclusion that God recognized that when he found us, we were way down there. That's where we were at. But since Christ found us, he lifted us up and seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Amen? That's where we're at with him. And that's how we live our life. We live our life with that kind of authority, with that kind of understanding of who we are. We are able to hold our head high, not in a proud or arrogant way, but in a way that recognizes that we glory not in ourselves, but we glory in what Christ Jesus has done in us. We're absolutely thankful for what he has done. And we live that life right now. We live that as he is, so are we. Notice it says here in the New King James, as we are in this world, in this world, right now, it's now that you need to be living like Christ Jesus. Amen. Right now. I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and they were asking the difference, spirit and soul and body and this kind of stuff, and talking about all of this and those kind of things. And I said, well, you know, it's like this. Uh, your, your spirit and soul and body is it's just like this. Let's say that you went to the dog pound, and they got other things there other than dog pound, but you got a cat in a box or a little kitten in a box, and they got those there too. In fact, when we left home this morning, we had a cat in a box. We got a cat that just came in, and Sheila had a box. She had just opened. It was on the table or wherever it was at, and the cat don't go to his bed. He don't go anywhere. He goes to the box, and he gets inside, so it's a cat in a box. But let's say you go down to the pound or the animal shelter, and while you're there, you get a little kitten 
in a box. And the kitten has its fur on it. The kitten goes, meow. The kitten can talk. And I know, Shirley, you're not going to be doing this. But this, this cat is just a beautiful little cat. And he's fluffy and furry and just loving and kind. And you take the cat that's in the box and you take it home. And you take that cat that was in the box that can see, taste, smell, do all these things. And you take him out of the box. And then there he is. And he does everything out there that you see that he was doing in the box. Your spirit and soul and body is like that. Your spirit and soul is in the box, your body. Take it out of the box, your body. It does everything you do right now. It just doesn't do it physically. It's the same kind of thing. And the Bible teaches us that when we are born again and Christ comes to our life, he comes and he changes our spirit and our soul. He gives us, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. He gives us that new creation. And when he does that, that allows us to live in this body, in this present world, just like Christ Jesus. That should be your goal. I've had a lot of people who have affected my life over the years. I, I really have. I, I thank God for the, the teaching ministry that I've uh, observed through Fred Price through all the years. I, I just love him so much and all that he means to me. I love that. I love Brother Copeland. I can go and T.L. Osborne. Nobody can write like T.L. Osborne can. He's lifted up me so many times. Andrew Murray, wonderful man of God that I, I just get fed from so much in life. And I can go on and on and talk about different men and women of God that have written and have done things and tell and, and Touched my life in a very special way. But no disrespect to any of them. I'm not trying to be like them. Now, I, I don't, and sure, I can look at them and say, well, you know, I'd like to be, you know, like they're doing. I, I can understand that in a small human way, but that's not my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal is what all of them pointed me toward, and it's to be just like Jesus. That's my goal. And that way, and I'm not expecting any of those folks to have any issues or problems like that. But if in the times gone by, as different people have sort of fallen, you know, and drifted astray, my faith didn't go astray Amen. because my faith wasn't in men or women. I recognize they're human like anybody else. They can do what anybody else can do. We all could do that. But you know what? Christ Jesus, he is the perfect one, and he is the only perfect one. We talk about voting. You know what? You never, it doesn't matter which way you vote, you're not going to vote for nobody perfect in a few weeks. Ain't nobody perfect running. Somebody say Amen. And the only perfect one you'd be voting for would be the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our eyes on him. And it's as he is, so are we in this present world. All right. Turn around. Let me show you just a little something. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. You got a problem, though. I got a problem. We've all had this problem. And I can talk a little bit historic here. There's a problem here that we have. Uh, by nature... And just hold, because I'm fixing to flip the page here in just a minute. But, but by nature, we aren't like Christ when we're born into this world. By nature, we're like the devil. Amen. How many will at least admit when you were born in this world, you were like the devil? Amen. Wasn't a whole lot of difference in the way the devil lived and you lived. Right. It was very easy to live like the devil. And there was a reason we did that. It wasn't because the devil came down and did a little show and put a show in front of us and said, this is what you do and here's how you act. Something else was going on. There was something in me like the devil. There was something in my heart and my life. There was something about my nature that was just like the devil. It wasn't that he had to just give me four points to living like the devil. And I read those, memorized those, and sorry, that. No, it wasn't that at all. There was something in me. That duplicated, mimicked, acted like the devil. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says, And you, he hath made alive. He's made us alive. Who were, notice the word were, you were dead in trespasses and sins. Sins and trespasses against God, God considers you spiritually dead. You were that way. Verse 2, In which you once walked, according to the course or the path of this world. This world has a path that's been hollowed out and been walked in, and it's easy to walk in. Uh, you, you know what a path is? I, I don't know that we know that much. We might say a sidewalk nowadays. But there, there used to be a path. My grandmother used to have a path out behind her house. Anybody know where that path went? It went to the owl house, didn't it? And on both sides of the path, to the left or the right, uh, you know, briars, bushes, all kinds of woods, all kinds of stuff. Because you didn't put the outhouse right close to the house. It was the outhouse. And the further the out, the better. Somebody say amen. 
But it was easy to walk in the path. But it was hard when you got off the path and walked left or right. The world has a course and a path that when you are first born and you start living this, it's easy to walk in it. It ain't hard to hate somebody that hates you when you're walking in that path of the world. It's not hard to cuss somebody out, just got through cussing you out. I hope you hadn't been there. When it is when you're walking in that path. It's not hard to push people aside on the path so you can get in front of them when you're walking like the world walks. It's not hard. And that path is easy for you to slide on in, walk on down easily into the path of the course of the world. That's what he's saying. Paul said that. Verse 2, in which you once walked. Again, that's past, past tense. You once did that. According to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan himself, according to Satan's power that he was ruling and reigning with in this earth for those who will allow him to do so, the spirit, his spirit, Satan, who now works in the sons of disobedience. For people who are disobeying God, they are disobeying God because they have the spirit of disobedience that's given to them by their father, thus making them a son of disobedience. They do it by nature. You know what? You, you can make up all kind of laws you want to make. You, you can do all kind of things. And, and yeah, in a society, you have to have some kind of laws for the lawbreaker. Or else you're going to have utter pandemonium and chaos in our world. So there's got to be some kind of laws. But no matter what kind of law you make, somebody's going to find a way around it and a way to break it or a way to hide it when they do break it. It's just a nature. And the real way to get people to quit breaking laws is not put up a sign and say, don't litter in front of my house, y'all. I mean, every, every Monday uh, as a pastor, you know, I have my day off on Monday. If, if things work well for me, I'm able to do that. And so Mondays, and I'll usually go out there every Monday, and I'll pick up the trash on the other side of the road in front of my home, on the other side. And so we got, I don't know, what, seven, eight, a thousand, couple thousand feet out there, road front. I don't know how much it is. It's a long ways. And I walk down one side and back up the other picking up trash. And I thought, what can I do? What can I do? And I pick it up. I said, maybe when they see that all this trash is picked up and somebody's trying to keep it clean, that they won't keep throwing out trash here at least till they get past my clean part and throw it on somebody else. Well, that don't affect them either because when they see my clean part, what they started doing is throwing it right in front of my driveway, right at the front, just, just to get me on that. I guess I don't know why. And I thought about what if I put this sign or what if I put that sign up or what if I call a state and say no littering or no trash or no, don't do this or fines up to $1,000 in South Carolina for littering. What if I did all those things? You know, it, it's not going to change somebody's heart. Amen. It's not, all you got to do is just be in there at the right time with the lights out, nobody looking. There goes that trash right out there. And so when we think about this, it's easy in this world. We do those things because it's natural. It's nature to do it. It's, it's what we're born of. And it's just, just the way that it is. And we're sons of disobedience as we walk that way. Now, notice verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Whatever the body said it wanted to do, okay, body, you can do it. I'm all for it. If it feels good, do it. It is a mantra of the body. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And here it is, verse 3. And were by nature children of wrath just as others. Ain't no difference in the other children of wrath of the world. With you and me, unless we've been born again of Christ Jesus, there's a nature in us that wants to sin. A nature that wants to rebel against God. A nature that wants to do the wrong. A nature that wants to duplicate and copy the nature of the devil that is in sinners. Amen. That's what he says. So that's the problem. So I say, well, wait a minute now. As he is, so are we in this world. Look, that's how it says we are in this world. And, and that's true. That is how we are in this world unless, unless something has happened for us. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. You're there. Look, look at verse 12. Paul went on to say, in that time you were without Christ. If you're doing all this sinful stuff, you are without Christ. Not with him, without Christ. Sin dominates your life. You are without Christ. You're dominated by the devil. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers, notice this, from the covenants of promise. Strangers from all of God's blessings and promises that he's made toward mankind. 
When, when God says that he'll bless us, when God says he'll take care of us, when God says that he will heal us, all those things, that's part of the covenant that God has made with mankind. And if I'm walking in sin and living in unrighteousness and, and allowing the devil to dominate my life, those aren't my promises. They aren't mine. I am a stranger of the covenant of promise. Covenant of promise? What's that? I don't know about that. I'm strange to it. It, it, not not anything I know about. I'm not in the commonwealth of Israel. I'm not part of the covenant that God has made to Abraham. I'm not there. And, And that's my problem. And because of that, you're having no hope and without God in the world. You don't have a hope. You say, what is the hope of this world? The only hope of this world is Jesus. It's the only hope of this world is Christ Jesus. Along the way, we can do little things here or there to try to better our society and better things for mankind and do what little things we can. But the bottom reality is there's only one hope for this world, and that is Christ Jesus. Because without him, we are with having no hope. We are without God in this world. And so there we've got a problem. John says, do you know what? As he is, so are we in this world. And John said, we, 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 speaking of him and others, believers. As he is, so are we in this world. But now I find out in this world that if I haven't entered into that covenant of Abraham, if I have not part of the covenant of promise, then, then I'm filled with the, the nature of the devil. I'm not like Jesus. And I'm not like God. Let me show you an answer. Look, we in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. God gave us a way, though. He gave us a way out of the world. You ever work somewhere and you didn't want to work there anymore and you just hated working there? I'm getting out of this place. They ain't going to see me no more. I'm gone, I'm gone, I'm gone. Well, you know what? The world is like that. The world, when you look across our world and you see hurting and sorrow and pain and suffering, you don't want to get out of this place. When you see people fighting one another, all mad, bent out of shape and all this kind of stuff, you want to get out of this place. There is no way. I hear people say sometimes, you know, I'll move from here to there. Ah, you know, there might be a, some small difference in here and there. But on the way, I found out, moving from here to there, on the way, the people moving there, they're coming here. And you're moving here to there, and they're going from there to here. You meet both people going both ways, you know, all that kind of stuff. And there might be a little bit better grouping of people in society where they care for their community more than others or that kind of thing. But, but, but the only way out, the only way out is you're going to have to have Jesus do something in your heart and life. Amen. There ain't no other way out. Because you know what? I, I learned this back in band days when I was playing in the nightclubs. I remember going to places I called them. They, were, they called them nightclubs, but I always called them beer joints. Uh, you went, and you just, some people, they went there. Their main reason to go there was other reasons, plus get drunk. And I remember, you know, playing in, in some nicer places at that time, maybe called Holiday Inn, different kind of stuff. But as long as they sell something to drink there, it was the same, it was the same beer joint. It looked a lot nicer. It was decorated a lot nicer. People had on suits instead of whatever, but they were still there for the same reason. And the world is like that. You can try to improve it a little bit here or there, but as long as the nature of man is sinful, he will destroy it. And that's what we see happening. Notice, notice. Look with me, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. God's made a way out. I can't even find a way out. Galatians 3, verse 16, God's made it. Now to Abraham and his seed. If you see that in your Bible, on your tablet, see the word seed, it is capital S. Seed. It does not have an S on it at the end of it as seeds with an S. If you're planting corn in your row of corn, what do you do? Put about three little pieces of corn in each hill and go to the next hill and maybe three pieces of corn. So you plant more than one seed. But here, this is not seeds with an S. This is seed singular. To Abraham and his seed singular were the promises made. In other words, God made promises to Abraham and his seed. Not to Abraham and all the Jewish people. To his seed singular. He does not say, and to seeds, reading the Bible with an S, as of many, but as of one seed. A promise made to Abraham and one of his seed. And to your seed, Paul says, who is Christ? The descendant, the heir of Abraham, it tells in the Amplified Bible. Referring to one individual, none other than Jesus the Christ. 
the covenant of promise then is made to Abraham and his seed. God has a promise with Jesus. The covenant of promise that we as sinners would be alienated from, strangers from, outside of, God has made a covenant and a promise to Abraham and his seed, Jesus. Now then, hold on to that. Knowing that, seeing that, look, look a little bit further in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 29. Scripture says, and if you are Christ, in other words, if you belong to Christ or in Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, and then you are heirs according to the promise. I found the answer. The way that I inherit the promises of God is I become the seed, not S, the seed only of Abraham. And the way to become the seed of Abraham, verse 29, is that I must be in Christ or be of Christ. Only way. Only way. People in the world out there that's following this path and this course that's leading to destruction and hell fire, those people, they say, oh, no, there's many ways to God. No. Not many ways to God. There's only one seed Only one way to God. It's the seed, Christ Jesus. In him, you can have eternal life. Outside of him, you will never have eternal life. Never, 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 never. You ever watch some of these horror shows of days gone by? And why are they always wanting something to live forever? Some kind of magic pill, magic shot, magic operation, magic this, magic that, of people to, to live forever. I'm thinking the whole time, why don't you people just get saved? I, I mean, the power to live forever came 2,000 years ago through Christ Jesus. Amen. Have you missed it for the last 2,000 years and still looking for something else, that kind of thing? Oh, there are wealthy people today that have billions and billions of dollars who are going to have their bodies, you know, put into some kind of cry, cryogenic state, be frozen until in the future they can find this part of DNA or something, go back and re-empower or re-infuse them to life again. Or they want to live forever. Don't they know you don't have to do all of that? Yeah, they probably know that, but they also know that they can't keep living the way they've been living. And that's what they don't like. They want to live forever in a sinful way. And that's not going to be found because God moved the tree of life out of paradise when he cast Adam and Eve out of the same place. And he's guarding it with the seraphim and cherubim that's guarding it now and men will never find it. There's only one way. Look as much as people will. There is only one way. Now, Galatians 3.29. Let me me read that to you. I saw in the Amplified Bible. It says, if you belong to Christ or in him who is Abraham's seed, then you are Abraham's offspring. And spiritual heirs according to the promise. We move into the promise when we become in Christ Jesus. Turn with John chapter 3 verse 16. How do I get in Christ Jesus? So, so then, if, if God says, as we are, or as he is, so are we in this present world, and I look in the world and I'm not, and I find out I'm like the devil, living like he wants me to live, and all the confusion and sinfulness that, that he brings into my life, and I recognize that's not what I want, that's not where I want to be headed toward, and I find out that there is a promise that God made to Abraham and his seed, Christ Jesus, that I can enter into a covenant, the covenant promise, by being in Christ Jesus, then my next logical question is, how do I get in Christ Jesus? I mean, that just brings me to that point now. How do I get in to Christ Jesus? Look in John chapter 3, verse 16. I want to show you something very simple that you may not have seen before. Let me give it to you very clearly. And you know it, but read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, this world that's headed toward a devil's hell, God loved them so much. A lot of love going on here. Loved them so much that he gave his only begotten son as the payment of their sin debt, gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever, it doesn't matter who you are, what you got, where you came from, it don't matter. Whoever believes in, see that word, in? Whoever believes in a preposition, whoever believes in him, 
whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Greek word there, zoe, have the zoe kind of life. What does zoe mean? The God kind of life. To have that God kind of life in the earth, that as he is, so are we in this present world. To have that, then I must become a believer in him, a believer in Christ Jesus. How many believers I have today here? Say amen. amen. A believer in Christ Jesus. That's how I escape the sin and the corruption in this world. That, that's how I come into this powerful living that God has given us. Now, let me read you something. Just a little, little study on this. Notice the word in. I-N in English. A preposition. The Greek word tells us it means to, to be in or into. In or into. The primary idea of this Greek word for in here is of motion, something moving into any place or thing. In. Like I go in the building. What did I do? I went into the building. Uh, I got in the car. Opened the door, went into the car. When we believe in Christ or we believe into him, we believe into him. Another th thing he talks about is this. It's the exact opposite word of out of. It's not out of, but into. We believe into Christ, into Christ. And Watchman Nee, a great Chinese man of God, wrote many wonderful books. He's so great writer, deep spiritual insight. And he wrote in one of his books, he told about a missionary that had come to China by the name of Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor said this about his own life. He said, after I failed, who has ever failed? I have to. I have to. After I failed, he said, I sought for the overcoming life. I sought for it. I looked for it. I prayed for it. I fasted for it. I searched for it. I tried to discover it. He said, I, I sought for the overcoming life only to define, listen carefully, that I could never obtain it. In other words, what I sought for, I, I realized I never by myself could take possession of it myself. It, it, isn't that awful? I sought for an overcoming life because I'd failed, and I looked for a way to be over my failures. And, you know, and, and I looked and looked and looked, and I sought for it diligently, and, and yet I, I failed to find it. And then he said, but the day I believed, I received it. Can it really just be that simple? I mean, is there no great mountain somewhere you got to climb? Is, is there no great valley that you got to go through with your struggles and have a terrible experience and all of a sudden awaken? I mean, is there something, is there really nothing that you and I can do and it's only simply based on believing in what God has done? The Bible says in the book of Titus, it says it so many places. It's not of works that it might be by faith, it is by believing. That is it. You are just as saved as you believe yourself to be. Not that your believing alone saves you, but your believing in the one who died for you saves you. It's not just that you believe anything. Not that you just believe in a magic amulet or some type of stone or a crystal. Not that. But you believe in the real power in the universe, Christ Jesus himself, who has paid the price for you. You believe that he did that. And we are in this age of faith that we live in this day. And Christ Jesus said, when I come back to this earth, will I find faith on the earth? That was the question. He didn't say, will I find this church or that church or, or this way or that way? Will I find faith? Will I find believers? And, and just like Hudson Taylor said it, he tried everything he knew to do, but he failed. I mean, he looked for it. He searched for it. He did all kind of things, but he failed to find it until he finally realized the day that he believed was the day that he received. Amen. Everybody say, I have received because I have believed. That's it. That's it. At the point you believe, true felt belief, it's not just a belief. 
Well, you say, well, sure, Pastor, I believe. And then go out and you live your life like you've always been living it. No, when you really believe in your life, when you really do that, works won't bring you salvation at all, but your works will follow your believing. They'll be right behind it. It'll, it'll give testimony. When John the Baptist was baptizing in the River Jordan, he had some people come down and he said, who warned you to flee from the wrath of God? He said, bring forth fruits, meat for repentance, and I'll baptize you. In other words, you know what? We've been looking at you, and you sure don't look like you fleeing from the wrath of God at all. You look you know, like the rest of this world. We need to see a change in your heart and life. And it does. Christ makes a change in us. Somebody say amen. When he makes a change in us, it makes a change on the outside. And when you come to Jesus and you give him your heart and life, through the simple power of believing, you'll find deliverance from the power and oppression of the devil. You'll find deliverance and freedom from all the things he brought against you. It's old-time salvation getting born again, born anew from above. Not, not on this earth, not on this earth. And, and so the, the key is we believe into Christ. That's how you get everything that Christ has promised you. You believe into it. Fasting is good, but fasting don't change the mind of God. It changes you. And sometimes we need to be changed, so we'll do some fasting. A lot of things like that, we could do. nothing changes the mind of God. God is the same. He doesn't change. I mean, he doesn't have to. He's perfect. And so God, God's there. He's at this place. And the thing, I heard a man say this just a few days ago. He talked about moves of God, and I agreed with him. I said, well, I think it was Mario Murillo that said it. And I said, you know, you've been, you just said the same thing I've been believing for, for a long, long, long time. When we look throughout history and we see the different moves of God, we see this revival, this movement, that movement, and all this, and they say, well, God's doing this, and well, now he's doing this, and no, he's doing this now, now he's doing this, now he's doing this, now he's silent, now he's allowed, now he's here. Not really. God's really been doing the same thing since Jesus Christ till now, but men and women have moved in and out of it, in and out of it, through doubt and through faith, in and out of the things of God. And it's our believing that brings us into the things of God. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Notice what it says. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. You're there in verse 17 through 20. Look at verse 21. He made him who knew no sin, Christ who knew no sin, to be made sin for us. Jesus was made sin for me. That me and you, we, might be, become the righteousness of God. There it is again. In him. In him. We believe in him. And through believing in him, then he has made us the righteousness of God in him. You are as just as much right standing before God as Jesus is. You have every right to be in the throne room of God just as much as Jesus does. And the reason is you don't have rights to be in the throne of God because of what you or me have done. Our right to be in the throne room of Almighty God is because of Jesus. Therefore, I've got to have just as much right in the throne room of God as Jesus has. Because that's how I'm there. And that's how you are there. Through the power of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Let, let me show you something. There's, there's a lot of things we could go to. You're there close. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. A lot of places you could go to. A lot of things I could say. And I'm not going to belabor the point that much longer. But in Ephesians chapter 1. The thing that you and I have to recognize is, is when we come to Christ, when we come to the Lord God Almighty and we ask for forgiveness of our sins and we believe that we have received, when we believe that we have been made brand new by Christ Jesus, we are accepted by God. Amen. You know, one of the bad things about life sometimes, have you ever been in circumstances or situations and circumstances of life where you might be going to this, I don't know what to call it, this party, this affair, this doings, as uh, Beverly Hibbley would say, this shindig, or you know, going to this place, and, and just wonder, uh, among all this group of people, will I fit in? I, I, don't, I don't know if I fit in there or not. I don't know if I'd be accepted there or not. You, you might ask yourself that question, and some of you might have to deal with situations like If you grew up like I did, and you grew up in, in poverty, and you grew up in dirt poor and all this stuff, uh, you might think there's a lot of places you're just wondering, you know, do I fit in there? Is that okay for me to be there? And you feel a little bit hesitant about whether you are accepted in places like that. But when it comes to God, you are accepted everywhere that Jesus is accepted. And that's more than MasterCard, Visa around the world. Somebody say amen. They talk about those cards being accepted everywhere. You're accepted in every place that Jesus is accepted. Everyone now. 
Now, notice Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, which he worked in Christ. A work was done in Christ. When he raised him from the dead. How many thankful Jesus was raised from the dead? Say amen. Well, he wasn't raised by himself, though. He sure wasn't. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. I mean, I don't know anybody that is a Christian that would look at the work of Christ and through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and see the history of who he was, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension into glory, and not say, yes, Jesus is Lord. He absolutely deserves his place by the right hand of Almighty God. I think we all agree on that. He says he's there. Verse 18, now all things, now in other words, let me get back to it. Verse 21, far above all principalities, the power of hell that was against us. Jesus is now seated far above it, way up, out of sight. I mean, he's far above it. He's been seated far above all principality, all power, all might. All dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that one which is to come. In other words, you're not going to think of something. You're not going to come up with something. Nothing's going to magically appear or happen. The devil's not going to manipulate something. The devil's not going to endure and create, perform or something out of this, uh, things already created the earth. And something to be more mightier than God it ain't going to happen. The Bible says that God is Jehovah Elohan, which means he's the Lord God most high. Ain't nobody higher than God. And Jesus has been seated uh, higher than ever adversary against my life. That's why I said it. When I, when I understood and I was seeking God for healing in my eyes, I said to the Lord, God, you're greater than the problem my eyes have. You created my eyes. You created me. Ain't no way you can't bring healing into my life. You're more mighty. You're Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God most high. And wouldn't let go of it. Wouldn't let go of it. Kept on believing. Stayed with it. And that's what we have to do in different places of life is just not let go. God, you made my body to work and be formed, fashioned perfectly as you created in the beginning. And so in Jesus' name, body, you've got to function just like God created you to. So in Jesus' name, no sickness or disease. For every name of sickness and disease is lower than the name of Jesus Christ. The power of God's greater in Jesus' name. Now body, respond to it in the name of the Lord. That's word of faith teaching right there. I said, I don't believe in word of faith. Well, you know, I've heard people tell me that I don't believe in word of faith. Too late. It's too late. I got it. It's so amazing. You're not going to. Mm. People are weird in this life. Notice what he said. <laughs> now all things. In the, <laughs> let me get where I'm supposed to be. Far above all principalities, power, and mind, dominion. Every name that is named. Not only in this age, which is a name to come. And verse 22, and he put all things under his feet. All the powers and authority or the devil are under the feet of Jesus. Now, anything you can walk on, you overcame. Right? You over. You overcame if you can walk on it. Anything you can walk on, you overcame. And so he's far above, and he's put all things under his feet. All authority now. Is under the feet of Christ Jesus. How many believe that? Say amen. amen. All authority under his feet. And he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. Jesus is head of the church. Somebody says, where's headquarters? Heaven. Because Jesus is over the church. He's head of it. Verse 23, which is his body. Everybody say, I am, I am. the body of Christ. I am the church. I am over all things which have been placed under my feet. You got to believe they're under your feet. Are you the body of Christ? Say amen. Do you have feet? Say amen. We do. And so then, if I am the body of Christ, I just read where everything's under his feet. So it's also under my feet. Notice, under the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. 
Christ Jesus is everything you need. And, and this is just not like some folks in the world who have a religious mindset say it either. Well, brother, we understand that, but don't you know that's a spiritual thing they're talking about. Well, yeah, it is a spiritual thing. Thank God it is a spiritual thing. But I learned a long time ago, a spiritual thing is a whole lot greater than physical stuff. What came first was the spirit, not the physical. It was God, the spirit that moved in, what was it, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the spirit of God moved, then the earth came in. Right? Spirit comes first, then the physical. And so this spiritual thing that God has done in us manifests itself and works itself out in our physical life. It's there. It works itself out into our physical life. And so when Christ in me, the hope of glory, Christ is in me and I am his body. What's under Jesus' feet is under my feet. What's under Jesus' feet is under your feet. The same authority Jesus had, you have. Jesus said it. When he left Matthew chapter 28 and Mark chapter 16, he said that I give you all authority. He said it in Luke chapter 17. He said that I give you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, and snakes. Not anything's going to hurt you. He said those things. And how are we? We are that way in this present world. In the world we're now in. It's in this world that we need healing from sickness and suffering and pain and disease. And it's, it's this world that we need the love of God to shine forth through the hatred and bitterness and strife that mankind have in their lives. It's this world. I read stuff sometimes, and I see stuff on the news, and it's like it's foreign news to me. It's like they're speaking Chinese. I barely can speak South Carolina English. But it's like they're speaking Chinese, and I don't even know what they're saying. They're talking about they hate this person, they hate that person, they did this, they did that. What's wrong with you people? Well, I know what's wrong with them. They're going to that course of this world, aren't they? We know, and they need Jesus, don't they? Absolutely. Well, don't you fall down to that level. Live to the level that Christ has brought you up. Some people say, you know, I've been criticized for this over there. Well, you just bring God down to your level. No, I didn't bring God down to my level. Not one bit. He brought me up to his. That's what happened. He lifted us up to him. He, he taught us. He showed us who we were in Christ Jesus. And we just don't have to take the stuff this world has to dish out on us any longer. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this present world. Everybody say right now. Say it South Carolina style, right now, right now, right now, right now. Let me give you one more. I'm going to read to close. Colossians chapter 1, verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. You didn't earn it. You didn't make it on your own. He's the one that did it for you. Well, what if you went somewhere and, and, you, and you bought someone a meal, and as you sat down to the meal to eat, you said, why aren't you eating this? Well, you know, I, I can't pay for it. Well, hey, this meal's on me. It's paid for it's paid for. Go ahead and eat it. Well, I can't do that. I didn't pay for it. Yeah, you can. It's right in front of you. Pick up the spoon and eat. Right? Pick up the fork and eat. My house, we didn't know what spoons were for a long time. But anyway, pick up the fork and eat. It's hard eating soup with a fork. But anyway, pick up the fork, pick up the spoon, and eat is paid for. Notice right here in Colossians 1 verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us. He's the one that's qualified you, made you worthy. King James said, made you meet to be a partaker of the inheritance. Remember the promise made to Abraham and his seed, Christ Jesus, and we are in him now by we believed into Christ Jesus. And because of that now, we are qualified to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in the light. I'm qualified. Ain't nothing worse than you to own something, possess something, have something, and somebody say, no, it's not yours. Oh, yeah, it is. That's mine. That's mine. That's mine. I got a girlfriend over here. Y'all stay away from her. Somebody say amen. <laughs> She's my girlfriend, right? Somebody say amen. Wife, wife, okay. okay. But uh, my, my wife. And so we, we, but now we're God's concerned. I belong to God. You belong to God. We're his. Don't, don't say we're not. How come? Because he qualified us. He, he's the one that made me, made me able. He's the one that qualified me to do this stuff. Oh, boy, you think you're some big something, don't you? Not at all. Mm, I was a miserable mess before I met Jesus. But then after I met him, things changed. I've heard people talk about, well, you have ups and downs, you have the good and the bad. Well, I, I agree with that, but most of my downs and most of my bads happened before I met Jesus. And after that, it's, it's been pretty much up and pretty much good. Had a few down, well, maybe a few here or there, okay? But none of them were God's fault, and none of them were his suggestions. They're all stupid ideas I came up with. <laughs> How many's ever had a stupid idea? Say amen. 
And they cost us, don't they? <laughs> Tell the truth about it. I've met people, that visit people in jail, and they say, what are you doing here? I don't know why God's got me here. I said, could it, could, could it be that you stole the car and beat your wife where you left? Could that be it? You know why you got there. <laughs> God's good to us, isn't he? He's made us ready. He has qualified us in him. Let me, let me just close it out. Let me get us to the last place. We're there in Colossians. Colossians 2, verse 8. The Bible says this. Beware lest any man cheat you or spoil you with the philosophy and empty deceit. According to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of this world, and not according to Christ. You see, you got a choice. We can believe what God says about us as, as he is or we in this present world. Or we can believe what the world says about us. You ain't nothing. You ain't never going to make any good out of yourself. You can't do anything. You know, the good life is just for others. It's not for you. I mean, you know what? Fight, cheat, scrape up, do everything you can to make it on your own. It's the only way you're going to get ahead. Got to push somebody else down. The only way the you know, rich people got rich, they must have done something bad, something evil. Most foolish thing I ever heard. God's the richest person I ever met, and he don't do anything bad. Unbelievable stuff people say. All this kind of stuff that's going on in their life. Different kind of things to say. Tradition will ruin you. If you'll listen to it. I'm talking about the bad kind of tradition, okay? The bad kind of tradition, the vain philosophies, this world, they'll ruin you. You never know what God will do. I don't know everything that God will do, but I know a lot about what God will do. I know enough to recognize that I can live for Jesus and he'll take me to heaven. I know that much. I know, I know enough that if I live for Christ Jesus and put my faith and trust for him, if I get sick and I get, have a need in my life, I know he'll heal me. I know that much. I, I know enough to know he'll take care of me, put food on my table and give me something to wear in the house to live in. I know that much. Well, I don't, maybe don't know everything, but I know a good bit about what God to do. Especially when these people say, you never know what God to do, and they're talking about something bad, something terrible. I, I know what Jesus said about what God would do, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. I know that much. I think I, think I know enough to get by. You know, I think the Lord's helped us that much for, at least. And so don't get into the vain philosophies or traditions of this world. Verse 9, for in him, in Christ Jesus, dwells... All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything you need is in Christ Jesus. You don't need nothing. <laughs> you don't need nothing that's not in Christ Jesus. I heard a man pray one time, and he said this. He said, God promised him he would supply all his needs according to his riches and glory, and he believed every word of it. And then somebody asked him, and said, well, what if you didn't get this? He said, I didn't need it. Amen? Because he promised supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. For in him dwells all the fullness of Godhead bodily. And the last verse, verse 10, for you. Me and you. Us. Me. When you read the Bible, I said Brother Copeland taught me in 1980, when you read the Bible and it says, when you, say, when I, or me, make it you. This book was written to you. I, I understand. I've been through seminary. I understand, you know, the introduction to the letters and all this stuff. But I know this, that Peter said this, that God's word didn't come by individual or private interpretations. But holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. And this is the Holy Ghost word saying to me, in you, Leon. In you. In you, church. In us. In us. You are complete in him. I got everything I need in Christ Jesus. Everything I need in Christ. I got it. Who is the head of all principality and power? All this opposition that's against us in the world, Jesus is the head of every, he's over every bit of that. Over all of that. And you and I are complete in him. Got everything we need in Christ Jesus. Therefore, therefore, not by your own strength and power of the world, of course, but in the new creation that God has made you, in the born-again believer that who you are, as he is, so are we in this present world. Right now. Right now. When does that become a reality? Missionary Hudson Taylor said, he received it when he believed it. The same is true with you. Ain't nothing else got to happen other than faith in your heart and your life that we are what God has made us to be. We just are. We're what God's made us to be. When you get to that place, you're like, you'll be so happy. You'll be so happy. You don't have to strive and contend and fight and try and beg and cry against God. And get a hold of the horns of the older, brother. I got a hold of the horns of the older. I'm thinking, what for? What, what, what are you trying to do? Move the altar around something? What, why are you doing that? 
No, you don't have to do that. You don't have to wrestle. Well, I'm just wrestling with God. What for? Well, I mean, if you think you're in a place like that, go ahead and give in because you're going to lose. Why are you resisting God? I'm wrestling, with, I'm wrestling trying to get his blessings down. You ain't got to do that. You don't have to wrestle and get his blessings come down. I woke up this morning as it was raining and didn't have one thing with me telling it to do with rain. It was just raining, right? And God's blessings, hey, man, blessings come down on the just and the righteous. A.J. read it, in the, in the house of the righteous, there is wealth in the house of the righteous. There's all kind of blessings in the house of the righteous, as he is, so are we in this present world. Stand with me this morning. We'll go before the Lord and be dismissed this morning. In Jesus' name, glory to God. Receive the reality, the reality of as he is, so are we. Lift your hands toward heaven. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. Search out my heart. And my life, anything you find there, not like Jesus, take it away, purge me, and cleanse me of it. Set me free from the power of this world and its leader, Satan himself. I thank you that I believe that Jesus is my Lord and that Jesus died for me on the cross so that I don't have to. And because of his death on the cross, I have received forgiveness and cleansing of sin. I am born again. I am made anew. I am a child of God. And now the life I live is not my own. For I have been bought with a price of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I belong to you, Father God. I am yours. Jesus, you are my Lord. And in this life, as you are, Lord Jesus, so am I. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, amen and amen. God bless. Hallelujah.